Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. God's going to do great things for him. Matter of fact, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to that district that night. And God said so many words. He said, because you're as a Joshua that lingers in my presence, he says, I'm going to choose you to be the one that takes conquest of the land. Because whenever the Moses fell off the scene, there had to be a replacement. It was a Joshua, and it was one that was willing to linger in his presence. And his purpose was to be one that took conquest of the land. And so I, I believe that. I believe that. Psalms 119 and verse 96. The Bible states these words in this 119th Psalm that's very, very long. David says, I've seen an end of all perfection, but by commandment is exceeding broad. Exceeding broad like to read it from the Amplified Bible as well. The Amplified, it's like this. I have seen that everything human has its limits and an end, no matter how extensive, noble, and excellent. But your commandment is exceedingly broad and extends without limits into eternity. And for a little while tonight, I want to minister simply this, without limits. Without limits limits hallelujah jesus i love you and i thank you lord today god that you seem fit lord to be able to allow us to congregate here tonight lord not centering ourselves around a institution per se or each other but centering our lives around you lord and your word i pray oh god that you're able to help us lord god in this building tonight God, I want to open up my life, God, to you. I want to open my mind and my heart to you. God, be God in our lives and help me to be sensitive, Lord Jesus, to the workings, Father, of your spirit. God, and I love and appreciate you for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen to the church. Say amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight without without limits David writing in the Psalms of course he's a very notable individual and character in the scripture he has played in different roles throughout the word of the Lord we have seen him at his different stations of life he's played the part David has of a shepherd another time he has been an armor bearer to King Saul he has been a warrior out on the battlefield, perhaps one of his most notable things is being known as a warrior. He has been a musician out in the pasture of his father. He's a songwriter that has penned several psalms and songs, might you say. He was a friend of Jonathan's whose soul was knit with his companion, Jonathan, his friend Jonathan. He had been known as a fugitive as he was running for his life from King Saul. and He himself had donned the crown, if you will, of kingship upon his head. He had been a king as well. He had rubbed shoulders with all various types of people. He had rubbed shoulders with peasants, 
out on the pasture, but he had also rubbed shoulders with those that were prestigious among the palace. He had witnessed life at different levels and different stages and the lives of others at some of those different stages of life as well. He had subjected himself according to Scripture to his father and his authority figure in his life. He had subjected himself to his father. He had subjected himself to his king, King Saul, whenever he was just a man that was among the kingdom. He had subjected himself to his friend, Jonathan. They each had taken a covenant of each other Amen. He had subjected himself to the rules of his own nation whenever he served in the capacity of king. He had lived his life within, we might say, the limits of each of his roles, of each of his responsibilities, those different arenas of life. He had catered to what they demanded and catered to what they had wished and what they had desired. If you'll allow me, as a shepherd among the sheepfolds of his father, David had the confines of the green pasture that he stayed in and the still waters that he walked along beside those were his boundaries those were his perimeters in so much so that the Bible says that whenever David went to the fight and checked on his brothers during their war with the Philistines and Goliath that his elder brother posed the question Eliab and angrily asked his brother David why camest thou down hither and with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? Because even Eliab knew that, David, your place as a shepherd is the sheepfold. You have a certain perimeter and a boundary that you need to stay in. So he had some limits. As a armor bearer, David would carry, as any armor bearer would, he would carry the large shield out before his king, his king Saul, along with other weapons in his hand and along his side. Amen. In moments of danger that they would approach, he would finish off the men that the king had wounded and put them to death. That was his job description, so to speak. And he worked within those limits. As a warrior, David went out into battle and came back from battle and from warfare. He would go through designated areas that his king wanted him to conquer. He was to seize and to conquer as he went as his king prescribed for him to do. He was at times captain of a host marshalling an army. An army not to be reckoned with. Victory was the order of every day being a captain of a host. Bloodstained weapons is what they desired whenever they came back home at the end of the day and those weapons being blood stained was nothing more but the proofs of his success as a warrior he had limits that he operated inside of as a musician and a songwriter each piece that he played or that he composed would be within the confines brother Mason no doubt of a certain key signature or among one of the various scales that there are and there was and to a certain degree he would be bound by the theory of music brother Mason he would operate within musical theory so he had limits that he operated in, in, in regards to. As a friend to Jonathan, David was bound by a covenant. They took a covenant of one another. He had clothed himself according to the scripture. 
Jonathan gave him his robe and his sword and his bow and he clothed himself and adorned him with that robe and with that sword and that bow. He had all of Jonathan's garments all the way down to his girdle that kept his clothing together and he was bound by an oath and compelled by an oath that if any of the descendants of Jonathan, amen, survived that he would show kindness and generosity to them when he became king and that's what ensured really Mephibosheth to have a place always at the king's table because David had some limits that he was going to operate in concerning his friendship with Jonathan even as a fugitive he had some limits placed upon him places that he must certainly avoid if he desired to keep his life some places that were off bounds or off limits if he desired to live another day and as a king he even wasn't the Bible says according to their law to multiply horses or wives or gold or silver he was to write a copy of those laws and take them to himself and read them every day amen so that he might know what he ought to do he had limits everybody say limits Amen. But whenever we consider life without limits, it's talking about a boundless life. When we talk about life without limits or limitless, we are talking about something that is endless, something that is immeasurable, incomprehensible, unfathomable, or unending. So you might consider tonight, Brother McGee, if you're preaching about without limits, why don't you talk to us about living our lives and our life for Christ with without limits why don't you talk to us about having that no holds barred type of mentality that we can just go and do whatever we feel like we need to do and throw caution to the wind and embark on a journey without any perimeters and that we can chart our own way and chart our own path and carpe diem if you will seize our day without any regard to what others think or what others say if you're going to preach to us without limits then preach to us without limits Yet, I read in the word of God from Genesis to Revelation, the common occurrence in scripture is this. God constantly speaks of not a people without limits, but he speaks about himself being without limits. He, he doesn't necessarily write in the pages about a limitless people, but he constantly speaks of himself of being a limitless God. And so when I talk to you about being without limits tonight, it's not about you personally, but it's about the God that you serve and the spirit that you have inside of you. We serve a God that's without limits, but all throughout known history, he has seen it proper to place limits upon his creation. In creation, the fruit of the trees were created, the Bible says, to bear fruit according to their kind, or if you will, limited to their kind. The earth was to bring forth living creatures according to their kind or limited to their kind. The sea, the Bible says in the scripture, had been limited by those grains of sand that he puts along the ocean that if they were to pass over, they would have to recede back behind that line of perimeter and that line of boundary. The Bible says that Moses was commanded by God even to set a boundary or a limit all around the mount of God so that none would touch that holy mount and 
die. And when God gave his people their land of promise and their allocations of land, he gave each tribe a portion, each tribe an allocation, and they had limits. And he would describe the land based upon its perimeters and based upon its boundaries. For that matter, the whole nation of Israel was set aside in a part by perimeters and boundaries. He put limits upon them. The six cities of refuge that we oftentimes resort to in the Old Testament where a man could find refuge and a man could find safety. That person was safe as long as they stayed within the limits of that city of refuge. They were safe from the avenger of blood because God does not set his people as a free-for-all, but he puts limits, perimeters, and boundaries on them with purpose and intent. Someone say amen. David said it like this in Psalm 74 and 17. He said, Thou hast set all the borders of the earth. Thou hast made summer and winter. You know what David's saying, God? You have set the limits on everything in the world. You've set limits on everything. And so it's not awkward then to see David as he put his quill in the, in the ink and puts it to paper. It's not awkward to see that David says, I see an end to all perfection. I see an end to everything that we consider is complete and whole. I see an end to it. All of these things that my eyes have caught, my ears have heard, they all have limitations. Everything that man deems is whole and everything that man deems is complete, they have have their limitations. He's saying that's the reason why I see every morning is chased by evening. It has its limits. Every summer is chased by a winter because it has its limits. Every ripening fruit is chased by a rotting fruit because they all have their limits. All things, including man, has their limits. The Bible says he has numbered our days. He has put limits on humanity. Times and seasons of our lives are appointed to come and go as they will according to the will of God in our lives. We have our limits. But although he has limited creation and he has limited time and he has limited man, on the contrary, as David says, I see an end to all perfection and a limit to all perfection. He says, though concerning the commandment of the Lord, is as it is exceeding broad. In other words, on the contrary, this commandment of the Lord or the word of the Lord, which we know to be the Lord himself, he said, the Lord is exceeding broad, meaning that the Lord's hand is not short, the Bible says, or limited in power. When speaking of God, it says that his understanding is infinite, meaning it's without limits. That God's compassions fail not, meaning they are without limitation. Hosea said that God shows freely, amen, his love to the wayward Israel, which means his love is without limits. Jesus a man in whom the Spirit of God was in the New Testament Scripture is one that operated without limits. The Bible says the Spirit was not given to him by measure in John 3. 
was not given to him by measure. In other words, it was not measured out. It was not weighed out. It was to given him without measure. Amen. Amen. What, what did that mean? He said there was no limit on it. There was no cap to it. There was no end to it. Amen. The spirit was not given to him by measure. Amen. Rather, the Bible says in Hebrews that Jesus was made rather after the power of an endless life. What's that? An incomprehensible life. A life without limits. Someone say amen. So there may be a limit to all things. But again, David says, thy commandment is exceeding broad. Now he says the commandment. Referring to the word of God. No wonder the apostle Paul said in his dilemma of several different imprisonments. That he would say that I am bound in a very literal sense. Imprisoned. In dark dungeons, in the Mamertine prison, two chains sometimes by two different people to his hands chained. I am bound, but he would state emphatically, but the word of God is not bound. It's without limits. It's no coincidence then that in the Old Testament tabernacle plan that that brazen labor where mortal man would approach and wash himself and see himself. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 5 that we are washed or we are sanctified and cleansed by the washing of the water by the word that when that man would go to the labor to see himself and wash himself and see his reflection even as the book of James declares to us concerning the man the word of God being that mirror in that place where we can see our reflection if we're a hearer of the word we'll see ourselves and we will go away and forget what manner of man we are but if we are a doer of a word we'll not only see what manner of man we are but we'll also do something to correct whatever may be incorrect in what we see concerning the word well whenever they would go to that labor which was a very good parallel for the word of God because of the cleansing the purification that comes by the washing of the word and and by a man being able to see his reflection himself in that labor the Bible says every other instrument in the tabernacle it has measurements so many cubits wide so many cubits tall so many cubits long and everything has a measurement but the labor in the tabernacle it is without any measurement because the word of God is without limits They couldn't put a dimension on it. They couldn't put a size on it. They couldn't put inches or feet or anything like cubits upon it because it's without limits. But that word, John said, was with God. That word was God. And that word became flesh and dwelt among us. And David says it's exceeding broad. He didn't say it exceeds broad. He says it's exceeding broad. That is in a perpetual action. It's exceeding broad. It is without limits. He is then therefore without limits. Now here is the predicament tonight that I want to share with you. And that is this. When the limited, someone say that's me. Becomes limitless. The limitless God becomes limited in your life. Saying in another way, whenever we who God has prescribed as having boundaries, perimeters, whenever we take the attitude of it doesn't matter, we can do whatever we want by the seat of our pants. 
No one's going to draw any lines in the sand for me. Whenever we assume that attitude, then we limit. The without limit, God, in our lives. That seems kind of peculiar, doesn't it? But the Bible says in Psalm 78, in verse number 40, David again putting pen to paper. He says, how oft did they provoke him? Speaking of Israel. In the wilderness, we talked about that a little bit this morning. And grieve him in the desert. Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Someone say amen. He says while they were in the wilderness, while they were in the desert, they grieved the Lord their God. The nation of Israel transgressed. They trespassed. Huh? Right? You go out there and what? They have the little purple markings nowadays on trees. You don't have to hang signs. If you have the purple paint there, what's that mean? Do not trespass. What is that? That's a limit. In Old Testament, in Old Testament to transgress or to trespass was stepping over a line. Just, just stepping. And so here's, here's Israel. They are, they are stepping over a line. They think that they can live beyond the limits. And when they overstep the limits, what I would prefer to say, when they overstep the protections that God has put in their life, then they have limited the one without limits in their life. According to the Old Testament, with good reason, God did not want them eating meat sacrificed to idols. Why? Pre-adventure, they become entailed by their religious acts. Because if they're having meat that they're sacrificing to altars, amen, to other gods, and they're there and they're eating that meat, they might be ensnared by the religious practice that associates with that meat. And so that's the reason he puts the line. So just to keep from this, to safeguard this, don't eat meat offered to idols. Now, there's probably some Israelites saying, that's crazy. But God says, I put it there with a purpose. Amen. He says, I don't want you to be ensnared by the religious acts. He didn't want the Israelites intermarrying, right? He wanted Israelites to marry Israelites. Amen. He didn't want them to intermarry again because he didn't want them to shift their allegiance to the one true God because the Israelites were supposed to be the people of the one true God and they are surrounded by heathen nations and entities that serve a multiplicity of gods and two people could not get married without accepting each other's gods. That's culture. They could not accept they could not get married without accepting each other's gods so he wants them to stay amen israelites marrying israelites for the purpose that they would not shift their allegiance to false gods that was a limit that was a perimeter that was a boundary amen he wanted their worship to stay connected to the holy one of israel amen he wanted their prayer amen to be directed to the god of heaven but what happens was this the nation, the people felt like going limitless. They felt like going without limits and doing their own thing, doing what they desired. See, they seen it as bondage when God meant it for freedom. 
Amen. And so we're going to do our own thing and get out from underneath all of this stuff. We're going to go without limits. And the Bible says as she goes and as she does these things outside of the prescribed perimeters and boundaries that God had placed in her life, that she provokes God and she grieves God. And when they choose no limits, they then in turn by doing that limit the limitless God in their life. Right? Because he's a gentleman. He's not interested in cohabitating. No, 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 no. Because he said from the very onset that he was one God and he knew not another. And there was none beside him. Don't you think if he has that type of mind frame from eternity backward, he's going to keep it from eternity forward. And if he thinks somebody can somehow accomplish serving two gods, forget it. He said, because I've never been, I've never known another and there's never been none beside me. So I'm not going to stoop to cohabitate and then make them think that I think there is another beside me. No, 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 no. And so they limited God in their life. And his response was basically this. This is the Lord's response. If you want to serve false gods, I'll allow you to be taken to Babylonian captivity and you'll have all the false gods you ever dreamed of. You know what he said? If you want to go that route, I'll give you over to that route. You want to serve false gods? I'll let you have all the false gods you want. They'll take you away to captivity. You want to serve things differently than me? I'll set you in the right location, the right atmosphere to do exactly what you want. Mm, someone say amen. And so for 70 years, they're in captivity. For 70 years, they're in bondage. Yeah, listen to me. I said they are in captivity. What? Yeah. They're wanting to go without limits, and where do they find themselves? In limits. Huh? They want to do their own thing, and where are they found? Somewhere where they're told what they're supposed to do. Because the fact of the matter is this. You'll never live any type of life upon this earth without limits. Paul, in writing to the church at Rome, bore that out. We've used the scripture time and time again. Let me rehearse it in your minds tonight. He said, Romans 6, 16, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey. His servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. What that tells me is this. I'm always a servant of something and someone, and there will always be limits on my life from something and someone. There is never an hour in my life that I'm truly without limits unto something or someone. So in order to be limitless or without limits under the hand of the true God, then you got to choose to be limited by false gods. Huh? In order to be without limits from God, then you got to be choose to be bound by some other entities in your life. Because there's no such thing as being totally without limits. Because we all know those, those that are ensnared by alcohol, they might be without any limits to God, but they're ensnared. They have limits right there. Mm -hmm. You'll tell them where to spend their money. 
Right? He'll tell them when to go to bed at night. Yes, sir. When to wake up in the morning. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. No limits with God, but they have traded to be under the limit of whatever it is that has captivated their attention. Someone say amen. But I call the limits of the Lord being the protections of the Lord. Amen. Because whenever I have the limits of God or the protection of God, you know what that does then for me? Just like the inverse of this. Whenever you decide to be without limits concerning God, you're bound by everything else. But whenever you decide to be limited by him, you're freed from everything else. It has no say-so in your life. Because you can only have one master. Brother Fred, if I'm working for you as an employee at your shop, Walmart can't tell me to show up at 9 o'clock in the morning and be a greeter. You understand? I only have one employer. And so by me choosing to be limited by the, the job description that you have for me, the time frame when I'm supposed to work and the wage you have for me, by choosing that, I've set myself free from every other company, every other boss. Someone say amen. Well, glory, glory, glory. So if I, if, I, if I choose the Lord and to be limited by him and the, the prescribed boundaries and prescriptions he would put upon my life, I could set myself free some, from some unhealthy relationships if I'll just choose to be limited by him. I could set myself free from addictions if I'll just choose to be limited by him. But if I want to just walk along, you know, here and there by the seat of my pants and have no regard for God, then there's going to be, I guarantee you, something else in your life that's going to have a thumb on you. Amen. Micah 7 and verse 11. Micah says this. He said, In the day that thy walls are to be built, in that day shall the decree be far removed. Micah is speaking about Jerusalem. He's speaking about a day when the walls of the city of Jerusalem, that holy city, ha- will be rebuilt because she, they, she has suffered uh, fire and she has suffered destruction concerning her walls. They are in ruins. They have been destroyed. They are burnt. But he says the moment, listen to me, he says the moment that we rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, if I say it like this, when we put the limits back on the city of God, when we put the limits back on the city of God, he says in that day that the walls are being built, he said the decree shall be far removed. And the decree he is speaking of is the decree of Israel being in Babylonian captivity for that period of time. He says when we get the limits back on the city of God, the limits that are put on the people by Egyptian or rather Babylonian bondage will be lifted and removed. When we get the limits back up on the city, he said it'll be released from the people. You understand what I'm saying? It's one place or the other. You'll be without limits in one place in your life, 
amen, amen, concerning the things of this world if you'll keep the limits that God has placed upon your life. It's an honorable thing, amen, to obey, if you will, the parameters and the boundaries that God has placed in the life of individuals and in the life of the church. We are where we are today, the church that is. Not just this church, but the church. The church is where she is today because she's learned to work within the perimeters that God has placed upon the church. Amen. She survived from the first century until now. Huh? Because she learned how to taste not, handle not. Huh? Someone say amen. So when Jerusalem would bow under the limits of God, she will be freed from the hands of her enemy. Something struck Moses as peculiar on the backside of the desert. The Bible says that he's out there with the sheep of his father-in-law. He has spent 40 years on the backside of a desert. He notices a bush that is being burned, but it's not being consumed. No doubt he has seen perhaps this occurrence of a, a bush becoming combustible in the desert many times perhaps in the past. But nevertheless, this time, though, it sets everything aside. Uh, this occurrence different than all the others. And that is, here is a bush that is burning a man, but it's not being consumed. He'd seen them burn before, be incinerated, and just be, you know, dark, black branches that's fallen to the ground before. But this one is burning and not being consumed. And so what he is witnessing was this, a bush... It's part of creation. It's a limited item. It will have life, but it will die. It's a limited item. But it was taking on the characteristics of something that was without limits. By all practical reasons, observing what he was observing, by all practical reasons, the bush, this limited entity, should have been consumed. But it wasn't long Moses found out why it wasn't when he heard a voice that come from the bush that soon revealed why it wasn't being consumed. It was because God was in the bush. That bush had got connected with something that was without limits and as a result of it although it still had perimeters and bounds it was functioning in this moment without limits because it had a limitless God that invaded it Oh, honey, we don't have to go off and do our own thing or chart our own course or come up with some idea of stepping over the lines that God has for us. No, if you want to live a limitless life, allow that limitless God to have full control, dominion, and power in your own life and you'll find yourself acting a characterization that is without, li without limits. So much amen. <laughs> he said, there's something going on here. You've heard me preach before, but I desire to preach again tonight that there are some things that we can participate in our Christian lives that be, goes beyond the temporal, goes beyond, goes beyond the perimeters that's set in creation in the world that go beyond that. 
And one of those things that, that, that exceeds, that's exceeding broad, might you say, that goes beyond is our worship. If you want to participate in something that has no limits, participate in worship. Someone say amen. Participate in worship. <laughs> because, and, and we do, we do, whether we realize it or not, we always worship. We're worshiping beings. We're worshiping creatures. But whenever our, our object of worship is right, amen, if you worship the temporal, then it, it, it's going to be limited. But if you worship the eternal, it's entered into a realm of being without limits. If you worship something that's living, that has the possibility of dying, you're going to have a finality to your worship if that's your object. But if you worship something that knows neither beginning of days nor ending of days, then you enter into a realm without. Yeah. Someone say amen. That's how, you've heard me preach it maybe before, but that's how that lady, and I preached on the alabaster box this past week some, but that's how that lady, amen, with the alabaster box, amen, could go to her grave, but yet still have a memorial spoken of her because she bestowed something on the master, on the master, not another man, not another human being, but upon the master. And since she did that, it would be a memorial for her forever. She's dead, cold in the grave, but the memory of the worship and what she gave in that moment has no bounds has no limits Be hallelujah continues beyond her life so worship you, you, you want to enter into something without limits connect your worship to God and you enter a realm that you participate in that has no limits you want something else prayer yeah you want some facet of life without limits? Pray. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Of course, your object of prayer, again, must be correct. But pray. And you'll enter into a realm that has no limits. Because my Bible tells me, I think it's Revelation maybe 4 or 8. I can't remember. Let me see here. Revelation 8. In Revelation 8, the Bible says... In that day that's still yet to come, that there'll be silence in heaven for the space of about 30 minutes. And there'll come an angel of the Lord forth. And he'll have a censer in one hand and he'll have much incense. And then in the other hand, he'll have the prayers of all the saints that he's going to offer on the altar in the heavenlies. The prayers of all the saints. You know what the angel's going to have in his hand? He's going to have the prayers of David every time he asks the Lord's help. He's going to have the prayers of Abraham. He's going to have the prayers of Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. The prayers of any individual through the course of the ages that has ever said a prayer. In that day that's still yet to come. He's going to have the prayers of the saints. What? Yes, many of them, if not all of them, and us probably at that time too, are going to be dead somewhere. But we will have invested our lives in something that has not a period, but just a comma at the end of the sentence that says there's coming a day that you participated in something that didn't have any limits. And it was connected to a without limits God in so much when this life is over your prayers are still going before you coming after you interceding for you 
Amen. <laughs> the Bible says in James 5 and 17 that Elias, Elias in the New Testament is the Elijah of the Old Testament, that mighty prophet of God, but seen many miracles in his time frame, a great prophet used of the Lord. It's, and he's a great man, right? Tremendous. Says that he was a man subject. Everybody say limits. He was subject to like passions as we are all creationists. All creationists. Every man, regardless his status in life is, has limits. He said he was a man subject to like passions as we are. He had to operate within certain confines. He had to operate within certain boundaries. But I like the next few little phrases there. And the Bible says, and he prayed. Said he was limited, but there was an activity that he knew of that was without limits. He was subject to the same passions as we are, but whenever he entered into the closet of prayer, <laughs> chains are gone, limits are gone. Amen. That's one reason why, folks, we need to encourage one another to go to God in prayer. Because it's an activity that's without limits. Why do you think the enemy wants to fight then against your worship and your prayer? Because all he wants you to see is the thou shalt not partake of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Which is for your protection. But then never involve yourself in an activity that is directed toward the limitless God that really takes the hand off of you and enter into an activity that is limitless. Worship, prayer, though are those activities without limits. So Elijah, though he was a great prophet, he's limited like we are, but, and he prayed. And so when you do these things, prayer, these things that we would call spiritual disciplines, prayer, worship, fasting even, things that connect you to a without limit God. It's in that moment that there will be the portions of your life that you are involving yourself in that will absolutely outlast you and outlast your grave. David says, I've seen an end to all perfection. He said, but the commandment of the Lord, if you will, the Lord himself is exceeding broad. If you'll stand with me here this evening. So humanity, man, as we know it, is limited all of creation the birds of the air the fish of the sea beast everything that creepeth and crawleth time all created things are limited even us as children of God he has placed limits upon us but whenever we as limited mortals make connections with the without limits God. Through prayer. Through worship. Through praise. Through fastings. Through devotions. They are portions of our life. Portions of a limited individual's life. That will automatically leave the temporal. And enter the eternal realm of God. A God that is without 
limits. Our mindset of without limits is not being told what to do, doing whatever we want. Our mindset of being without limits is honing our own path and just doing whatever feels right in the moment. No, that's not what life without limits really means. It means having the perimeters, having the boundaries, having the things that God has stationed in our life. And by virtue of connection with him, enter into a realm where there is freedom beyond what this world could ever give or ever afford us. We bow our heads here this evening. So again, if there's one phrase you remember, remember this one. That if you choose what you quote unquote believe to be the limitless life. Then you will automatically by virtue of that limit the God without limits in your life. I don't know about anybody else here. But I need a without limit God working in my life. Because in those times that exterior forces are trying to, if you will, bind me in a box. It's in those moments, mom, that my God without limits comes in and says, nope, wait a minute. It's kind of like whenever the, the woman of Nain who had her only son that died, the Bible says, and they're having a funeral procession. And the Bible says he's in a beer, which is a word for coffin, that he's in a coffin, he's in that box. And as they're going out toward the, the graveside, they're carrying the coffin. It's a funeral procession. As, as they're leaving Nain, Jesus is coming to Nain. And it would have been, just as it is today, been very inappropriate to, to kind of interrupt that funeral procession. But he does just that. And the Bible says that he puts his hand up on that beer or that coffin. That was the confines for that boy at that moment. And you know what he said to the young man inside of there? He said, arise. <laughs> Why? Because whenever there's been others and everything else puts you in confines, if you have a God that's without limits show up, he can take off of those things. He can take off those things that really are limiting you. He can take off those mindsets and he can take off those addictions and he can, he can take off of all those things that you've really sowed yourself out to be a servant to. And he can put things in your life that's really for your protection, really for your guidance, really for your good and your furtherance in this life and the life that is in to come. These altars are open tonight. If you want to frequent them, that would be tremendous if you wish to talk to God. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.